We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Sometimes Weekly Sports and Stuff. I'm BJ Kissel up here at the Holiday Distillery in Weston, Missouri. If you have not been here, I strongly recommend coming up here, taking the tour, stopping by the gift shop. They're set up for Valentine's Day right now. They're taking care of the dudes over the weekend. A lot of cool stuff always popping up. We're down here in the event center, and we've got a nice little 360 drink in our hands. A little butterscotch, Andy, a little bit of uh, peach. Peach and a little bit of vodka, a little bit of something, but uh, man, I'm excited for this guest to be joining us. Somebody that we have known each other a very, very long time, uh, and Andy Grunebaum, former Sporting KC and uh, Columbus Crew Comeback Player of the Year in 2012. Amongst other things. Among, you got a long, very, you have your own Wikipedia page, which is very impressive. I'm surprised you don't, but yeah, I mean. No one cares. Yeah, no. You did important things. I talked to important people. There's a big difference. I was a part of things. important things. You were on the field. I was on the sideline saying, what does it mean to you? Yeah, right. No, I'm, I'm happy to be here and I've never been here and it's fantastic. So I'm excited to kind of check out the grounds after, but, um, and also, you know, for us knowing each other a long time and then actually like reuniting here is pretty yeah. cool too i i found your website and, and we'll get into what you do here sure. locally and helping the the youth soccer you know sports and everything that soccer has become over the last five ten years yeah um really want to get your perspective on that but yeah i um i think it's funny we grew up you know for anyone who's listening we grew up in the same area and you were a soccer guy i mean like thinking back we played baseball together right which but is you, why you know i'm a soccer guy because you were like you were terrible <laughs> at baseball no but you were very good at soccer and just, I want to start this. I know we have a lot of things we want to talk about, but getting into the, from the beginning, like what have you, what has it meant to you to see soccer? And we'll get into your career, but just this Kansas City soccer scene with what sporting has become over the last, say, five to 10 years, and now with the KC Current um, and what they have going on with Angie and Chris Long and the investment that they're making in this community. It's, it's been amazing to see from the outside. Yeah, I think as of now, I mean, that's more exciting to me than anything because sporting, I mean, we're not worried about them, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, th these are some geniuses that work here. And um, as far as knowing what I know about the team as a player and then just the staff and, and uh, the hires that they've made at the Sporting 2 now with Benny Failhaber, a former te teammate of mine, Ike Parra, um, Darren McLeod, the goalkeeper coach who I, who I work with as well. And um, it's just really exciting to see those players that I played with investing in 
you know, a place that wasn't originally home for them, but they've called home because I think you hear that all the way around from every sport, right? Kansas city is just special. Yeah. So, um, you know, my wife and I knew we'd always end up here, even though I was in Columbus for eight years playing with the crew. Um, this was always going to be where we ended up. So it's, it's really exciting. I want to, go reverse here and just for anyone who's listening um just give them kind of your background i went to blue valley north grew up in the area playing soccer but just the the quick synopsis the elevator pitch of you and your soccer career right yeah went to blue valley north um we won a state championship there from there um was uh recruited to go play at the university of kentucky um redshirted uh was told that i was probably 25 pounds too heavy to play which um, I was, <laughs> and then, um, finally figured out what it meant to be kind of a, more of a professional. Uh, t- so that part of my career started to take off in college. And then the dream of playing professionally was just a fringe thing for me. And, and finally, you know, as the years progressed, uh, became a reality and, and was drafted to play for the Columbus crew, won an MLS cup with Columbus in 2008, um, had some unbelievable moments there. Columbus is like second home. Uh, the only place I'd ever probably moved to, um, but most likely won't happen. But um, And then was traded to sporting um, in 2004 for the 2014 season before injuries just kind of took over. Then became a broadcaster myself. Uh, don't know how, don't know why. <laughs> but I took that on as well as um, some coaching in the sporting academy. And then here I am running my own youth uh, goalkeeper academy. Yeah. So, and I want to ask about that. One thing I want to touch on, we talked about Columbus and we were talking about before we were recording of just the Hunt family and Lamar Hunt, oh, Clark yeah. Hunt, and just overall what they've meant to soccer. Because obviously a lot of people listening to this, we're dropping this into our, our Kansas City Chiefs bucket. So everybody's getting a little mix here in the offseason. Nobody wants to talk about the Super Bowl right now. And I don't blame it's, you. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, so going to mix it up a little bit, but there is an – a synergy there and a, and a, and something that a lot of chiefs fans, I think they know that Lamar and the hunts were interested in soccer and FC Dallas and all that, but they've got connections with Columbus and just, you said MLS wouldn't be what it is without that family. Oh, I mean, it's just incredible. You know, the investment that that family has made into, I mean, let's be honest, so many sports, right? I yeah. mean, it's incredible, but specifically major league soccer would not be anywhere close uh, to where it is without that family. And if there's one, uh, critique I might say is I think we could have had bigger rings, more diamonds. <laughs> so Clark, if you're listening, I, if we could add a couple more diamonds to my Columbus crew championship ring, they own the team at the time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that would be my only critique. So, yeah, it, it's amazing when you really step back and think, and I went back and read his autobiography, not to go completely off here, but you talk about all the different aspects. I mean, like, you can go back to like worlds of fun, the Chicago bulls, they have a piece of that and the tennis, the world tennis association, yeah. like they had their hands in a lot. And there's a reason that Mars nickname was games. You know, right. I was always had his hand in something and you know, North American sports wouldn't be what they are today without that family. But uh, I do want to ask what you've got going on now, because we're going to bring up a lot of stories. We're going to do a lot of things now, but right. you talk about the interest that sporting has in, in your background. Just what do you, what are you doing now to give back to the to the youth goalkeepers in the area and what keeps you busy nowadays yeah well it's uh it's called union 30 goalkeeping um we we work with grassroots kids from age seven eight all the way up to college kids that are coming back for their off seasons um so we kind of run the gamut there it's 
it's something I started five years ago with, uh, I mean, I had just left sporting um, from a coaching standpoint, from working in the front office. I had zero goalkeepers to my name. Uh, my wife and I went on a trip to Disneyland with, with our son at the time and without any, and then I, I got a phone call from a local coach saying, hey, I've heard what you're doing. So I started with that phone call with zero clients to two, three, and now we have 200 kids that we work with. Um, so it's, it's really the only thing I'm qualified for. So I'm really happy it's working out. I don't know what I'd be doing otherwise. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just a lot of fun to kind of give back and share my experiences and, and help these kids kind of grow into whatever their goals are. I know you mentioned going to Columbus, getting drafted and, and winning the MLS cup there, but getting that one year to come back and play for sporting as Kansas city kid. What did it mean? I mean, I know it's a loaded question, but what it did was, that mean to you? it was so fun. Uh, it, it, so when I, my agent had been negotiating with Columbus for, I don't know, the entire year of 2013. Uh, our, our interim coach at the time, who was also our technical director, uh, was trying to do me a solid. And, and, you know, he said, all right, we accept the terms of this contract. And then the new coach, who's now the U.S. national team coach, Greg Berhalter, came in and probably, uh, you know, he, he said, we want you here. You've been here a long time. I think you fit my system, but uh, we can't have you for that amount. So at that point, I was just, it's time to move on. He was probably smart, by the way. I wouldn't have signed <laughs> me for that amount either. Um, and uh, and so it's so funny, after all that hard work from my agent, it ended up being myself. After Sporting won MLS Cup in 2013, mm -hmm. Jimmy Nielsen retires. I was at the game, and I was just like, just win so he'll retire so I can come back. Um, you know, a week after they won, I was on the phone just negotiating my own deal with with Peter. And, uh, you know, and so just knowing that I would be back home and I didn't have to leave anywhere. Right. So my wife and I were back in the off season um, and it was time to start looking for a home and, and tell all my friends and, and yeah, just putting on that uniform and playing my first home game is an experience I'll never forget. Yeah. So, yeah. Can we talk about the rabbits? Cause I remember this, <laughs> I remember this now that we're sitting here, I remember this being a thing. Can you explain what was it about the rabbits? Like a, having a pet rabbit? Yeah, you just—I just remember you were—you had a bunch of pet rabbits, and it was a thing. So like I never, so I never had a pet rabbit until um, I've always had animals growing up. So okay. we lived, you know, south. We lived like 188th and Metcalf yeah. on on acreage. So we had horses, we had um, cats, you know, whatever. And but for never, everyone listening, I was at 199th. Yeah, to let everybody yeah. know, we grew up right by each right, other out right. in the middle of and, um Probably anybody that's listening has probably been over to that house at one point in time if probably. they're around our age in the, in the high school, you know, in that realm. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so that was something I've always been a, an animal lover. My wife was not a dog, not a fan of dogs. You know, it's amazing we're married. But, um, she, you know, she had a bunny growing up. So we were at the Ohio State Fair. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was during a time we had, I think we had a bye week or something like that. So I just was like, I called her, I said, come to the Ohio State Fair, bring $50 in a box. I found, so she was like, okay, so we- <laughs> That could we, mean a lot of things. That was it. And that, and um, we had 10 good years with, with Rue, mm -hmm. uh, but it is a weird, it's a weird dynamic. Like you look and you're like, I can't believe there's a rabbit hopping around my house right now. Yeah. Just pooping everywhere, but it's happening. And I just remember something about social media. Maybe Sporting did a story on you once, and I just remember thinking, like, I know that guy. Like, I've seen him forever. He's everyone's like, like, wait, you have a rabbit? Yeah. He's it's, surrounded by rabbits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know I asked you this before, but the current and mm -hmm. what Angie and Chris have done, just mm -hmm. how much pride do you have in, in being someone that 
and not to say that soccer wasn't big back then or there weren't people who cared about it because I don't want to disrespect it in any kind of way like For that sure. but what it is now compared to when you were growing up as somebody that kind of championed in high school and all that and now to see what it is particularly with the current I know you have some connections with them just what does it mean to you to see what they're doing in the city yeah I, I feel like my heart is a little bit more invested in into what they're doing I work with a ton of of girls goalkeepers here locally so just to kind of understand what it was like without an academy system, you know, for myself. And, and obviously the current do not have an academy system yet, or, or that league hasn't grown, but it's all relative, right? I mean, major league soccer, there was, there's been so many evolutions until, you know, the academy system evolved into what it is today. And, and so it's coming. And especially with owners, like you mentioned, it's just, it's inevitable that the the sport's going to grow. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to being a part of that on the youth level or any way that I can. And um, I'm, my heart's kind of more invested in that. Sporting's, like I said, they're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, they, they yeah. know what they're doing. And um, it's one of, they're one of the best clubs in Major League Soccer at what they're doing. Yep. Um, but I, I very much am invested in seeing what the, the girls' game does here, the women's game. Yeah, and in talking with my wife, and talk about this before, but – you know, my wife played volleyball. She was an athlete, and we've got a daughter who is interested in sports. And her, and I, this is not a cliche, but I think it's an obvious thing that when you have a daughter, you have kids, and you see how real it is that we want to take her to see other mm-hmm. professional women athletes right. in that environment. And to when this downtown feet, like, complex gets built to go down there, it's going to be absolutely beautiful. I mean, to see the renders of what that thing is going to look like yep. and where it's going to be, it's like that would be perfect for, I mean, not to upset everyone. I'm not saying that the Chiefs should go down by the river. I'm just saying that <laughs> the the views that they're going to get exactly. from that place and the way that it's going to add those skyline shots of Kansas City, it's going to do so much. And for somebody that has a daughter that we can now take her and a wife who played you know high-level volleyball in, uh, at K-State, it just, it's going to mean a lot to us to see professional women athletes in that environment with that kind of stadium being rewarded and kind of propped up the way they are. It's awesome. Well, that's how I feel too. My daughter's three and um, my son tells me all the time, my son's six and he's like, you know, dad, sports just aren't my thing. Cool. I don't care. Just be happy. But so my only hope I think is my daughter. So to be able to take her to these games and maybe spark her interest is something that's really important to me as well. And you're right. That, that stadium, the renderings, uh, what just, thinking about it is it's so exciting and it happens so quickly. Yeah. It just shows you just how invested the owners are. And, and this community is, it, it's going to do big things. Yeah, the nerdy creative side of me, when you call it the current, you put it right next to the river, you've got the colors yeah. and everything, yeah, yeah. the current coming through the city and all that. It's like, you could do so much with this. Like it just, <laughs> it's that sweet, that chef's kiss, sweet spot right. with marketing and branding. Right. They've done um, it right. Going back to sporting, when you got the opportunity to come play here, what are a handful of moments that stand out to you? of, you know, when people ask you about your time with sporting, because it was short overall compared to the rest of your career. Yeah. What I mean, are the moments that you remember? Despite my attempts uh, to get traded to Kansas City, you know, over of a you know 10-year span, never worked until the last year. But um, honestly, just the pride of representing the city um, is what I remember the most. Just It just meant that much more to me to, to wear the jersey as a home, as a member of the home team, Rather than yeah. getting, yeah, we don't care where you're from and more expletives, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, just to represent the, my, my home city and be able to play in front of family and friends, 
you know, you look out into the stands and, you know, you see some of the people that you grew up with. Mm-hmm. That's something insane. Like in the moment in a game, you look up and you're like, hey, I know that person. That's cool. Yeah. You know, and, and just makes you want to do that much better for for the club. That's really cool. And yeah. there's much pride, like somebody that obviously we didn't see each other in a long time, but when I see stuff, it's like, I know that guy. Like, I remember growing, like playing baseball with that guy growing up. And we talked, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about uh, doing this show about a girl that I went to high school with uh, and Liz Butler that mm-hmm. went to Kentucky at the yep. same time. We, we, to, we were yep, all in the same class right. and she goes to Kentucky on the women's side and was a goaltender. Now she's solving the world. She's probably, a yeah, I was going to say, she's probably much more successful than you and I or something. Cheers to you wherever you are. Yeah. Liz. <laughs> Cheers to Liz, whatever you got going on. Um, no doubt that she's successful, but yep. we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Um, where do you see kind of the future of Kansas City soccer go? I mean, we know that it's growing like crazy. Where do you think this thing can go? Talk about sporting being an absolute animal. With they've got it figured out right. with what they have going on, um, but they're building some stuff up in that area. Yeah. They've got a lot of cool stuff when it comes to youth sports. Whether it's out in our neck of the woods, 151st and 69, they're sure. putting a huge complex yeah. there. You've got Home Field doing all their stuff. I know you do use their facilities a little bit. Uh, just where do you see the future of you know soccer specifically and youth sports going in Kansas City? Well, I think. Um you know, ultimately it starts from the top. So Peter Vermees is a genius. I'm not just saying that like this guy, I don't understand. He, he's at, he's, he's operating at a different level um, than, than anybody else in this world. So, um, you know, that, that trickle down effect is, is going to make um, every coach better because of the standards, right? So there's a trickle down effect from Peter to the staff, his assistance to the uh, SKC2, to the academy, um, and then from the academy, that pouring out to the local scene. I mean, everybody is wanting to get better and, and do things in a much more professional manner. So that's only going to help the youth game. Mm-hmm. And the same thing can be said on the women's side. Uh, on the girls' side in the youth sports, um, you know, you got to imagine a world where there's an academy that, that link, um, you know, a, a current two, if you will, that yep. just the same pieces you see in place, um, you, you can just picture – 
that taking hold in the women's game as well. So um, I don't know when, but you know it's coming. And like I said, I'm just I'm really excited and and do will do whatever I can to to help that process. Um, you know, and and it's just it's it's going to be amazing to see it. Like you look back 20 years when you and I can't walk, <laughs> and, and it's it'll be there. It'll yeah. be there. Curious because of your involvement, your willingness to help in this space, just. If you, if for anyone who's listening, who's got young kids and you talk about having a six-year-old, my son just turned seven, my daughter's four, um, they're interested in soccer. What advice do you have? There's so many clubs and academies and I know you have your thing. I'm not asking you to pick favorites because <laughs> right, it's a small right. world and I, I don't want you to do that. Yeah, but yeah. like, what's your advice to people that are coming up through this world? Because one thing as a parent that I'm learning and it starts with soccer, it happens in every sport and it drives me crazy. I don't know if, you know, we're these old guys with kids talking about this right. stuff, but it's if you don't get your kid on a team when they're five, it's too late. Like they're going to get left out. And right. like, I know it's part of it. You're in that world, but just what advice do you have for parents of kids who are really interested in soccer at a really young age where it's not that club, you know, year round grind them into the, the dirt, but what's your advice? I think my advice is more geared towards being a parent myself. And that's, um, you know, really, really understand you, your child. Right. And, yeah. and, what makes them tick, what makes them happy. Because at the end of the day, seeing a lot of really talented kids just kind of lose interest and get burned out by it. And that's really sad because, you know, uh, it's a situation where if, in, if given the right environment, they could have really flourished. Yeah. So um, especially at a young age, um, I, I highly recommend kids play multiple sports. Yeah. I know, I know um, once some kids are having to make those tough decisions at, 11 12 when the academy's looking after them yep. uh you have to think about it in europe and all over the world soccer football is the number one sport and and those kids are willing to whatever is that's on the side they're willing to leave that behind and simply just put their life and all their eggs into that basket so here it's a here it's much different we have multi-sport athletes and you know i have that conversation with kids all the time do you know we only get one shot at this thing right right and so it's very important that these kids are happy and enjoy what they're doing. And so uh, life's too short not to enjoy the ride. So that would be my biggest thing, especially at an early age, get touches on the ball, you know, touches on the ball, enjoy it. Uh, make sure you're surrounded by friends and a, a coach that is not um, geared towards winning because who's going to remember what you did at age five, six, seven, eight, yep. even through 15. I, I don't remember those years, you know, you just don't. So it's about the ride. I think careers in any sport are only ended before the age of 10. Nothing's created before you're not right. developing the right. next all-star or whoever uh, at the age of eight years old, but you could definitely ruin a sport for Easily. a kid. And you see it a lot. And I think even going back to like when we were growing up before you know, clubs were starting to kind of become a thing, you know, with baseball, with me, like in mm -hmm. high school, it started to become a thing. Wasn't what it is now, but I remember thinking like, you really have to love it once you get to like that, you know, you're a teenager, you've got to love the process to do it. And if you don't, thinking back, we were growing up, some of the kids who were the best baseball players when we were 10, 11, 12, they weren't playing when they were seniors in high school. Right. You picked the 10 best players when we were you know, in eighth grade. Right. I'd say even eighth grade, I'd say four of those 10 kids weren't playing baseball at times we were seniors, burn out and they found other things to do. Well, now these kids today have social media to deal with too. You know. So I think Joe Burrow had a really great quote you probably saw about, you know, doing it in the dark, right? Uh, make, you know, don't let other people see your past. Well, 
that, that's simply because you know I'm around a ton of these kids that they're posting what they do and they think that that's the you know and and I want to I want to help them I you know it's so, social media there's so many pressures that we don't understand at that age we understand them from you know uh, in a vacuum because we see how it affects kids but um, just that that self love you know we didn't have we didn't have that pressure of you know showing that that's how we show our worth right that's not your worth and it's hard to just tell a kid that's all their other friends are posting this or posing in this and it's it's a really hard dynamic to navigate yeah i i almost like i don't i don't envy kids having to deal with the stuff that they're dealing with now with covid and all of it combined like i can't imagine being in those situations but uh to your point like it you have to love what you're doing you have to kind of have your your head on the right way you have to kind of be grounded in the same kind of way and coaches teammates all that stuff can can go into it but i think both of us not necessarily me as a player even i played you know baseball at a high level but you get to the professional level and one thing i during my six years with the chiefs that i learned is high school kids who think they know what working hard looks like mm-hmm. guys like patrick mahomes and travis the best in the world are always working right it is not to joe burrow's point it's not go do one workout, put it out on social media, on Instagram, and then go sit down for four days before you do something exactly. else. Like these guys are working exactly. all day, every day. It's a level of commitment that I wish there was a little bit better of a peek into how much time goes into it. And then the young kids, the you know, 13, 14 year olds who think they know what hard work is, really don't. And something you actually mentioned to switch gears a little bit, when you went to Kentucky, and I think you said you were a little overweight, and you I, learned I was hard work. very much, yeah. <laughs> The same exact thing happened. I invented the COVID 20 then. (laughs) (laughs) I, it's funny to say, because when I went to Central Missouri before I transferred to K State to play baseball, I went down and played for Brad Hill and they were good. They were 54 and eight the year before I went. Um, They finished third in the nation the first year and then we won the national championship my redshirt freshman year. I thought I knew what hard work was, you know, coming out of Blue Valley High School. And I was just, I was a pretty good baseball player. I don't think I was cocky in that way. I don't think I was outwardly entitled. But I didn't know what real work meant until I got to college, until I got and threw a good pitch and I got hit off the wall. And it was like, oh, damn. Yeah, <laughs> like, that ain't that gonna a, fly what yet. do I do? That was a good pitch. <laughs> like, these guys hit good pitches. And I was like, I'm in trouble. Well, it's the same because, you know, my back in the day, I don't know if they still wear letter jackets, but I had every patch and mm-hmm. I thought I was the coolest guy. I wear that thing in the summer. You know, it turns out I was into the high school gym. Yeah, I was not that game. cool of a dude, right? Um, not looking back, but, you know, I walked into, you know, my college environment thinking that I was just going to be the man, you know, I'm a high school all American. I'm this, I'm that. And man, was I put into my place and, and thank goodness I had, there was a, a transfer, um, you know, junior that, uh, was kind of given a second chance, had a bad history himself, but that dude taught me what work ethic looked like. And then, uh, as I entered the pro ranks, I, I was blessed to be, um, with a 20 plus year pro John Bush, this guy, uh, was five foot 11 as a goalkeeper and just so you can imagine you know I'm six foot and I'm considered small yeah this guy to play over 20 years I mean that guy taught me what true professionalism was so I, I've been blessed to kind of learn from those guys and and that's kind of what I I try and teach the kids I work with and get them into some of the good habits now rather than you know you'd be shocked to hear like when I talk to me about your diet well I can relate but I also have learned a lot and, and you're not, that is not how you fuel, fuel your body at all. So yeah, look, 
looking back, I wish I had known more about diet. Now I threw like 82. I don't know if I ate better. If all of a sudden I was going to throw like 94. <laughs> I was right. still going to be a 5'11 righty that was, you know, red shirted. So I was like 23 year old righty throwing 82. Ate a little better, maybe a little stronger, but yeah, the, the same guy to, to give flowers to the guy who helped me, Zach Norman was a was two years older than me. He was the division two player of the year. He was the captain on the team down at UCM when we won the national championship and he was my roommate. And that first year I was redshirting anyway. I mm-hmm. went down that first fall and got fucking lit yeah. all fall. <laughs> like I just got shelled every, yeah. Yeah. like my neck hurt every right. day. Like I'm just, just like whiplash, whiplash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like whiplash. balls bouncing off the yeah. wall. And, you know, I was pitching to a team where I was like, these are D2 guys. Like I want to go D1. These right, are right. D2 guys. Right. These D2 guys hit like 430 as a team. Yeah. Like these guys yeah. can rake and just got lit. And it was the next, um, it was actually got lit all fall. And got hurt my lung collapsed that winter um, in like december and i was already redshirting so i was like on my way out like you're never gonna play here and brad hill the coach during my like meeting that fall was like if you don't change everything about the way you approach this game you're never gonna step foot on the field for me i can remember like it was yesterday and that was when i was just like oh it's so i thought i was good at this and then like this guy just told me i'm never gonna play and it was coming off the collapsed lung and working my way back into it it was zach who was training with me that summer going into the next fall where he's like, if you want to play, you got to work at a level you've never worked before. He's the one who pulled it out of me. I went into the next fall, didn't give up a run. Right. Like I'll pat myself on the back a little bit. Didn't give up a run, earned the seventh inning job as a redshirt freshman. And then I was a seventh inning guy for a national championship team. Coach took me with him to K-State. And a year earlier off a of collapse lung, he's like, you're never going to step foot on the field for me. And so like, I very much understood that I had to swallow my pride in my, like that transition from high school to college. Like Absolutely. everybody's good at this level. Yeah. You, at some point you realize you're, you're not good enough something. and you got to change how you approach it. And for me, that was at central. Yeah. It's so funny. You said that I had such a similar meeting after my red shirt season, I walk into the, and I was fully ready. Like in my mind, I was transferring to Baker university to mm-hmm. where my wife went, you know, we were dating at the time and, mm-hmm. And to her credit, she she talked me off the ledge there. But uh, I was I went into my meeting with my coach, and he's this English guy. His teeth fall out. He's pissed all the time. He's the Bobby Knight of of soccer. Right. I mean, truly, like just you know. But I I love that guy, and you know, and I was like, hey, you know, I don't think this is for me. And and you can curse on this. Yeah. He's like, he's okay. like, well, there's the fucking door. He's like, this ain't for everybody. And it was that tough love. Uh, he's like, he's like, you're never going to play. He's like, you're too fat, this and that. And I'm like, okay. And then he brought in this Canadian kid from Vancouver to, to start over me. Uh, and I knew he was coming all summer long. That's all I could think about. So that, that like, I thought about, I didn't know what this kid looked like, but I just thought like, no one's touching this job. You know, I'm coming, you know, I'm coming. So uh, that's when it, I flipped the switch. It was just after that tough love, that meeting. So yeah. I had a very similar meeting. <laughs> And, and then just took it to heart. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's awesome. I needed I to get kicked story. in the in the junk. Everyone's, you got to get told you're not good enough. It's, I mean, everybody's told that plays a sport at some level. Like at some point you're told you're not good enough to play anymore. Like everybody has that moment. Right. Uh, I just wasn't ready to hear it like right out of college. <laughs> I was like, I thought this is what I was going to do. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, talking here with Andy Grunebaum at the Holiday Distillery up in Western Missouri. They're set up here now for Valentine's Day. If you've followed some of these shows, they've been set up for these pop-up parties during, you know, uh, the holiday break. It was, you know, decorated with all the Christmas stuff. But we appreciate Matt and Patrick and, every, and Jules and everybody up here for taking care of us. But um, as we wrap up this show, Andy, I... Love this conversation. I really enjoyed this. Um, final thoughts 
for anyone out there listening who's interested in the soccer scene in Kansas City. Uh, I know I already asked you, like, where do you think it's going? But um, how much pride should Kansas City take in, in what this community and what everybody from the Longs to um, going love to Kathy Nelson because she's got to get credit for something. We're all a part of this. But Absolutely. just um, how much pride should Kansas City take as somebody who's been around in different cities and you know this world in what's happening in our backyard in th- with this sport in particular? Yeah, I mean, I think just as somebody who knows the landscape, um, there's a lot of good things going on across the nation as far as, you know, especially in the men's game. But I, I would just urge everyone to, I mean, I'm I'm not the type of person that like buys jerseys or I I, I support them. But called it, kits, Andy. Right, kits. You yeah, I'm talking about like I, I just there's something weird about I'm not that type to like go out there and like you know write on social media about a game after it happens or you know it's just I, I internalize everything. Yep. Um, and I'm a very level-headed fan, but I just would urge everybody to to go all in, you know, and whether. Whether you are a, a big time soccer fan or you couldn't care less, you know, just the support, uh, especially for the current mm-hmm. um, and, and what that can do to kind of spark other things uh, can't be understated. So, um, first of all, whether it's an exciting game or not, there's an opportunity to go get an adult beverage at, at, a, at in either one of these venues. Yeah. Right. So what's better than getting out, taking your kids um, enjoying an adult beverage. And then, you know, the games are 90 minutes, you know, they're not yeah. like a chief's game or a Royals game, which are very fun to go to as well, but yeah. the games are quick. So you've got that going for you too, even if you're not the biggest fan, but, uh, otherwise, you know, go all in because I think there are big things coming. They need that, that push, especially to substantiate building this yeah. incredible venue. Right. So, and obviously there's a couple of dads with daughters and the ability to just go and take them. I don't think we're going to be able to properly understand the impact of what the Casey current could do for like generations. Like, and that's not trying to make these big statements. It's very real and having a daughter and wanting to take her out to a game and her being interested in all of that. Like it's just, it's special. Um, And obviously as somebody that has dedicated a huge part of their life to this sport in this community, it's cool to get your perspective on where it's coming. It makes it more exciting uh, knowing that you're excited as somebody that's been in this world, uh, that everything's headed in a really cool place. So appreciate everybody for tuning in to this episode of Sometimes Weekly Sports and Stuff. We will be back next week with another another special guest up here at Holiday Stillery. And again, if you are looking for a quick getaway, they have got live music up here. They've got the Welcome Center. You can come have some drinks, do the tour. It is a really, really cool gem of a little place just outside of Kansas City that I don't think enough people know. It's first time up here for you. I'm Yeah, I'm blown away. I'm definitely doing a, a fantasy football draft here. I've already <laughs> made up my mind taking the league here. So We're going to let them know that that's a new asset that they can sell. For. We're down here at the <laughs> event center. They rent this out for all kinds of cool stuff. But appreciate everybody for listening, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Cheers.